This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. This morning concludes our Legend series. I trust you've been enjoying our Legend series. This is week four. You could clap there. That's all right. Make me feel better as a preacher. Um, some of you are like, I don't know why we're clapping. Just clap. Make me feel better. And uh, I believe we're a talking church. It's okay to say amen, oh my. It's okay to say preach it white boy. It's okay to say that is so good, whether it is good or in faith that it will quickly become good after saying it's good. But we have finishing our series called the Legend Series. And I've realized this. We went through three different characters of the Bible pulling out truths from their lives that we can apply to our life today. Whether you're a stay-at-home dad or mom or a business person, a teacher, or whatever your area of influence is, that God has called us to lead. He's called us to lead culture, called us to lead our families. And, and, and a legend series means, I want to remind you today, as I was thinking about this, when you, when you come to church and believe, listen, I'm going to take this truth from God's word. This book is alive and it teaches us, it trains us. It always is saying, hey, I want to apply this to my life. And I thought about this, you have to choose the future. Listen to me this morning. I want to encourage you. You can be vocal this morning. I want to let you know that in your life and my life, we have to choose the future. You have to choose it. Some people say, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, or it is what it is. My wife hates that saying, it is what it is. No, you know what? It doesn't have to be what it is. You can choose your future. Some people are like, I got no choice over my future. It's just going to happen. No, no. Listen, God gave us a free will, but you have to choose your future. And we believe today that God wants to impact you and help you and the greatest freedom we have is choice. Did you know that today? We're talking about Remembrance Day. What people died for and sacrificed for is to give us choice. That we can choose who we vote for. We can choose what we do for work. We can choose how to raise our kids. Thank God for choice. Choice is the greatest freedom we have. But then once we make a choice, we're slave to it for the rest of our life. Do you know that's true? You have choice today. Choice to go to work, sleep in. Your choice might result in getting fired if you sleep in too often and get seven late slips on the way to school. Come on, somebody. I don't know, but I want to encourage you to say you got to choose the future. I'm reminded I meet people all the time that people so often get stuck somewhere. Everything about faith is forward. I don't know if you know that. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. You don't need faith to look back at the past. I don't need faith to go, man, I hope I have a good childhood. I don't need faith to get through my junior high years. Faith is always forward, but you must choose the future. I run into people all the time, and even sometimes in my life, there's a tendency to get stuck. You get stuck. Back where they stopped, every conversation comes up where they got stuck. Maybe it's a relationship. And every time you talk to them, that one person always comes up. That person they dated, that person that hurt them, that old boss or something. And you know when someone's stuck, when every conversation, that name comes up. I don't care what you're talking about, how long it's been since you've seen them. It's like, yeah, I ran into so-and-so, or I was creeping them on Facebook, so-and-so, or, you know, I just can't get over so-and-so. And we get stuck in relationships. We also get stuck in wins. Sometimes it's not the losses, it's the wins. Man, Bruce Springsteen, I think it was, wrote a song called Glory Days. Some of you are way, if you don't know that, that song or that person, you're probably under 40. Where are my people over 40 in the room? Anybody over 40? Some of you women are lying in this place. 39 and holding, you know, come on somebody. 
Sometimes it's a win, man. You talk to one person, it's always that, that winning high school goal, 1993. Man, when we won the championship and people get stuck, it always comes up. If it's, maybe it's a disappointment. It always goes back to that one business deal that went bad or that one thing that you thought was going to happen and it just didn't. And that, that one schooling you never got into, hey, man, it, my life would be different if I got into that course. But, man, I don't know, but that one deal went bad, that one company went bankrupt. Or, listen, can I encourage you? Let's not get stuck today. The Bible says press on. And the goal of this series lets you know that God has more for you. The best is yet to come if you want it to be. It won't just happen because you let it be. Let it be, let it be. Who sang that song? Beatles? Let it, somebody, what? This guy's talking old school because I am 42. I'll talk with the Beatles and Facts of Life. Come on, somebody. And even Joni Loves Chachi, if you get me going. I just lost everyone in the room. So I'm like, he doesn't look that old. I know. Come on, somebody. I believe the Bible says without spot or wrinkle. Come on. I want to encourage you today that we believe in moving forward. And this series is saying, listen, I believe we can grow in our leadership. I believe you can grow in your family. I believe you can grow in your influence. And there are principles from the word of God to help you grow moving forward. The best is yet to come for our church. The best is yet to come for your family. The best is yet to come for your influence if we choose life. The Bible says I've set before you life and death. Choose life. Today as a church, we are choosing life. We're in our fourth uh, message in this series and I want to encourage you today, if you're taking notes, notes never forget. If you write this title down somewhere, The Servant. Write that down somewhere, The Servant. You'll see the slide behind me, The Servant. Today we're going to be studying the life of Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate servant. Let me ask you today, what are you obsessed with? Your pain from your past or the possibilities in your tomorrow? What are you obsessed with today? All kind of encourage you to press on, move forward, move forward. Faith is always forward. And today, I believe in your life, in your marriage, in your singleness, in your job, God can grow your influence and your family. Help your life today. We're talking about the servant. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a servant. Look at your neighbor and say it like you actually listened to what I just said. Say, I'm a servant. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to talk today. All right, okay, all right. You're going to make me work for it. That's all right. I had a nap yesterday. Come on, somebody. I'm ready to go. If you get a Bible today, John chapter 8. I'm going to read a story in the, from the book of John today. If you didn't bring a Bible today, you'll see one behind me on the screen. We're going to read it for you. But there's something about your Bible. If you're a single in this place, go find someone with a messy Bible. Because they got a messy Bible, they got a clean life. You want to attract someone, you want to marry someone, go find someone with a messy Bible. Highlight it, notes in it, sticky notes in it. Come on. I'm a church kid. I used to spend my junior high years just highlighting my Bible. I wouldn't even read it. I just highlight it. Because I was so bored in church, I just highlight I would dip it in highlighter. Can I just encourage you to highlight your Bible, write in your Bible. John chapter 8, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Very famous passage, a great story about Jesus, our servant. He models a servant. We talked, about, we talked about being a dreamer. We talked about being a dreamer. We talked about being a fighter. We talked about being an influencer and a leader. We also want to talk to you about being a servant. We believe you're going to be a legend. You've got to fight for your dreams. We also believe you've got to get a dream. There's something about being a leader in culture that you can be in culture but not of culture. Come on, somebody. That you can be in the world, not of the world. You can hold on to your values and what God has said and still do it with kindness and love in such a way that we can change culture. And today I want to believe with you that today that will activate and encourage you as the servant as we follow the model of Jesus Christ. John chapter 8 verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again, back, back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, a teacher of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they put her in front of the crowd. I always find it fascinating that they never caught the man in the act of adultery, just the woman. 
The man ran out the back door, but they caught the woman in the act. Just, I don't have time this morning, but I found that interesting. Verse 4, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, but what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They started writing in the dirt. People always say they don't know what he wrote. I don't know if he wrote people's sins. I don't know if he wrote maybe their Netflix favorite series. I don't know what he wrote in the dirt. But people started seeing him writing in the dirt. It says they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Didn't even one of them throw a stone? Didn't even one of them start, start this, 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 this condemning? Verse 11, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. This morning, I want to talk about the servant. I believe God's going to speak to your life. Whether this is your first time in church, we're so glad you're here. Or whether you've been coming often, we want to believe today that God's going to speak to you. Amen. Let's pray one more time. Father, again, I want to thank you for your word. Father, I believe this is more than public speaking. This is more than just entertaining. But Father, I believe there's an exchange happening right now. Father God, that your word will not return void. That is, your word is preached. Father, you would help me preach truth Help me preach well. But, Father, as this goes out today, we're be believing, in fact, we're demanding a response. Father, we're believing it'll come back with health. It'll come back with wellness. It'll come back with, 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 with faith. It'll come back with joy. I'm believing today, God, we'll leave here together more like you than when we walked in. Father, thank you for these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Do you have a favorite app on your phone? A favorite app. Where are my smartphone people? You got some kind of phone. Where are my iPhone users? Come on, where are my iPhone people? Hold where, where are my Android people? Where are my BlackBerry people? <laughs> Just point your hands towards them. We'll pray for them right now. <laughs> Black, all BlackBerry can do is text someone on an iPhone. Say, hey, come over, show me that video. You know, <clears throat> wow. Okay. I don't know what your favorite app is on your phone, but social media has taken over everything. Where are my Facebook people? You just love Facebook. Come on, somebody. That's your, don't, come on now. Where are my Facebook people? You just post in and creep in and look in and you got rest. Where are my Instagram people? Where are my Instagram people? Where are my, where, where, where are my Clash of Clans video game people? Am I the only, okay, I'm the only one. All right. I was, I was a couple, a couple months ago, I was in the States and this guy walked up and he said, Mike, I got to show you this app. I'm like, yeah, cool. He goes, check it, send me a picture. He takes a picture of my face. Oh, I wasn't ready for that. Takes a picture. Because watch this. He puts it into this face editing app like I need it. Come on, somebody. He puts it in this app. He's like, watch this. He's like, see that? Your teeth are now whiter. I'm like, whiter? What? He's like, I whitened them yesterday on my patio. I was stuck on my patio, and I just I wiped my teeth at the same time. He's like, watch this. All those coffee stains gone. Your teeth are all like, oh, I like that. He's like, what's this over here? I'm like, that's called maturity. He's like, no, we can get rid of that. He starts smoothing out my skin on this picture. Just the wrinkles are gone. That pimple is gone. I'm like, what is going on? And he just takes his picture and he edits and moves it and changes it and slims things and moves things and tones things. And come on, if you can't tone it, tan it. I'm he's changing the complexion and all this stuff. And he goes, how's that? I'm like, that's my new profile picture. Thank you very much. Send that to me. Come on. And I thought, what is this, this app that changes everything? You know what? I've realized sometimes we are guilty of editing Jesus. 
So many times you get these, these pictures, and you guys know it. They take these models, and they, they move things and shape things and change things. And, and it's, a, it's a distorted reality. But sometimes I believe we do that as the church. We distort Jesus. We, we make him easier on the eyes or we things that we are uncomfortable with or things that we change or things that maybe we don't understand. And we just kind of edit that out and slim that out and change that. And we make a Jesus that sometimes doesn't represent reality. In John chapter 8, I believe is probably one of the most accurate dis, uh, descriptions and telling of who Jesus is, his mission, and our part to play in it. In this story, it's, it's amazing. You have this woman who is caught in the very act of adultery. Now we're talking about Jesus as the servant today. It says in Matthew 20, verse 28, For even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for enemy and for many Luke 19 verse 10 for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost this Jesus that we talk about is actually the greatest servant the world's ever known he said I came not for my will but for my father's will I came to serve God's interest God the father I came to seek and save and I came to serve people the word Christians is, means little Christians. I want to remind you today, as the church of Jesus Christ, as Christians that follow Jesus, we are little Christ, little Christians, and we are servants. If we follow God, there is something inside of us. We are here not to judge culture, not to be abrasive of the culture, not to confront culture, but to serve like Jesus served. It's still the goodness of God that brings people to faith. It's still the goodness of God that brings people to salvation. We're servants here. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a servant. In John chapter 8, there's this picture of this woman. You've got you to put yourself in the context. In John chapter 8, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Can you imagine this? In the very act of this moment of shame and sin and in this height of passion, the door gets kicked in. And these people were trying to trap this woman or a neighbor that had been watching the situation tells people they kick the door and she's in sin. She's in the wrong. So is the man. And in the very act, they drag her out of the bedroom into the street. Now, at that moment, that woman and everyone in the street knew what was going to happen. By law, she was about to be killed in the city square. Stoned to death. And they knew in the panic. Can you imagine the emotion on that woman? All of a sudden being dragged by the hair. Dragged. She's trying to grab a piece of clothing or, or something to cover herself. As a mob, a lynch mob, drags her out of her house or this man's house into the street. Can you imagine the emotion in that moment? In that moment, she's going through her mind going, this is it for me. Can you imagine going down the street and crowds are watching? This is her neighborhood, her city. Now people are lining the streets. I, I, I imagine maybe her parents were in the street that day, on the way to work, coming from coffee, going somewhere. And all of a sudden, like, what's this mob? And they're running in the crowd and they see a glimpse of. And that father's like, no, no, I know that head of hair. That's my baby girl when she was sick with a fever when she was nine. And I kept her up all night trying to keep her hydrated. I know the head of hair anywhere. That's my baby girl running down the crowd trying to get a glimpse of his daughter knowing she was in her final moments. Her mother trying to grab through the crowd going, we can stop this. We can rescue her. And the father going, no, no, it's too late for her. Can you imagine the emotion in this moment? What if her kids were there? playing outside, playing games, and all of a sudden this crowd drags their mother and they're screaming, Mom, come back. And her mother's going, don't follow me, go, knowing it's the last moments she's going to see her kids alive. There's tense tension in this moment. The Bible comes alive if you read it. There's this, in this moment, Jesus is teaching 
having a peaceful moment, and all of a sudden they drag this woman who knows she's about to die, a crowd that's following. Listen, the crowd will always want to see you fail. Have you realized that yet? Some people we call friends are just waiting to see what happens to you. That's why when you put your drama on social media, people like it. People are applauding sometimes at your drama. I've said it before. You can take it to Facebook for attention or to Jesus for answers. And there's a world of difference in that statement. Can I encourage you? Sometimes the crowd isn't always out for your best interest. And this crowd was following this woman in this moment in her fear and her pain and in her shame. She gets drugged before Jesus. Talking about Jesus the servant this morning. What does serving like Jesus look like? I have four different S's today. I'm going to share, taking notes. Four different S's to help you and me understand what serving as a leader like Jesus, and we're going to be a legend. At the end of your days, look back and go, that guy was like Jesus. That woman was like Jesus. They served. Four S's of how to serve like Jesus. Number one today says Jesus stopped. It says in the middle of this, Jesus stopped what he was doing and looked at this woman. When someone stops and engages you, what they're saying is you're important. I don't know, maybe you've, you see someone that you value. Maybe it's a work, a coworker, or a boss or maybe a celebrity or maybe someone you look up to. And you ever have this moment where you want to talk to somebody and they're just busy? Like, hey, good to see you. Yeah, I hope you're doing well. Yeah, and they keep going. And people are busy and on streets and in buildings, maybe even at church. You're like, hey, people are busy and going. But then once in a while, someone stops and they look you right in your eye. What they're saying is you matter. And right now, nothing else is as important as you are. My wife is so good at this. My wife, when she focuses on you, Nancy, it's like sunshine. She's five foot two, but when she locks eyes on you, there is no one else in the world. It doesn't matter if, the, if it's burning down, if the kids want her. She's like, hey, how are you? And she focuses. What she's saying is you are valuable in this moment. When someone stops, like Jesus stops, what he's saying is what I was about to do, what I was saying, isn't as important as this moment. And it says Jesus stopped what he was doing for this woman. I love stories and I love history. And there's this story, true story, of this woman who was a teacher in England for years. She was known as the best teacher in her county. And, and I don't know if it was Devon or Cornwall or where she was from, but somewhere in the south of England. And this woman was a teacher for her whole life. At the end of her retirement, it came out in the paper, and people started hearing the story about this woman that was always known as the favorite teacher. Everyone has that favorite teacher. Mine was grade four. Mrs. Muir was my favorite teacher. And this woman spent her life teaching, and people loved her. And over a course of a 40-year career, she had actually met with two different prime ministers in England and had lunch with them 20 years apart. A local reporter at her retirement said, i got to tell this story. Let me talk to you. I want to interview you. He said, now, you're retiring, but you met two different prime ministers 20 years apart. Tell me what that was like. She goes, well, the first one was fascinating. I met this one prime minister, and I went to 10 Downing Street. I went to his residence, and I was overwhelmed, and I had won this award as being the best teacher in this part of the country. And I went in, and he said, what was that like? He goes, it was awesome. She said, I went in, and I had a, he gave me a personal tour of the whole residence. He said, see this painting? This was handed down by prime minister to prime minister, by prime ministers, painted by this famous, famous artist, and it's worth this much money, and it's, it's an antique, and it's so valuable. And See this desk here? This was given to me by, by the prince of this country. And let me, let me show you what my plans are for the next year, what we're going to do with the economy. And I have these new bills I want to introduce. And she said, and the, the guy said, what did you feel like after leaving his presence that day? She was, oh, I felt like I had been with the most important person in the world. He wrote down, that's fascinating. Tell me about the second one. She goes, well, it was 20 years later, near the end of my career, and I had again won an award, and they brought me to 10 Downing Street to meet with the new prime minister. And 
this young man who was leading the country through some trials and, and stuff, and we went in, he goes, now what was that like? He goes, she goes, it was different. I didn't get a tour of the building. I didn't see paintings or desks, or I didn't hear about his laws. In fact, he sat me down and said, hey, tell me about your life. Tell me about, what was your favorite student? you got to have one. Tell me about the most trying thing that you've dealt with. How has teaching changed in the last 40 years? And she said, for the next hour and a half, he asked me about my life and what I was going to do after retirement. He said, how did you feel leaving that day? She goes, oh, I felt like I was the most important person in the world. Can I encourage you, when you stop for somebody, what you're saying is you matter right now. In a world full of hustle and bustle and you got to go in the rat race, there's something about stopping. Why do we create this place on Sunday morning? Isn't it to be crazy, though? We are going and moving. It's to have a moment that you know that we serve a Jesus that stops for people. And we want to be a church that stops for people. Oh, if you're going to serve like Jesus, we got to stop like him. Jesus stopped for this guilty, shamed woman. You ever been caught in something? You ever get caught doing something wrong and the shame that rushes in and how people just want to distance themselves from you? I was on a plane a few months ago and I, fly, I flew a lot and I'm going through, come on, they want you to shut your iPhone off, shut airplane mode, you know what I'm saying? Before I'm like, really? Is this iPhone, my iPhone being on really going to affect this whole plane? Come on. There's movies playing and there's all this stuff, so I just kept my phone on. And this one flight attendant walked down and she goes, sir, is your phone in airplane mode? I'm like, yeah, it's in airplane mode. I straight up lied to her. She's like, sir, is it in airplane mode? I'm like, yeah, it's in airplane mode. She goes, can I see your phone? The whole plane, I swear, stopped at that moment. I was like, it's good. She goes, can I see your phone, sir? I was like, she takes my phone. She goes, no, sir, now it's in airplane mode and hands it back. I swear, people shamed me on that plane. I didn't get pretzels or a drink on that plane. Mothers held their kids tightly going, that's that bad man that was texting. And people, didn't, people that were talking to me before that happened, all of a sudden just turned, put their headphones on. We're not with him. We're not traveling with the evil man with the iPhone. When you get caught in shame, our instinct is to distance, to unfriend people, to move to the other side of the room or disconnect from social networks. But Jesus isn't that God. He's the God in the middle of her sin and shame in her worst moment. He stopped and said, you matter. I want to let you know today, no matter where you are in your faith, Jesus is stopping for us. They saw her sin, but he saw her value. When you're a servant, you see things different. They saw her sin. He saw her value. When you stop, what you're saying is, I see your value. I see you. I see you. And you're in a bad moment, and life's not easy right now, and I know you're not, you didn't make some good choices, and you're in a bad place, but in this moment, I see you, and I value you. They saw her sin, but he saw her value. All kind of encourage let's be a church that stops for people. Because they matter. People matter. People matter today. Verse 6. Verse 6 says it like this. It says, while they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. The second S today, as to be a servant, if we're going to serve like Jesus, it says, Jesus stooped. Jesus stooped down. Not only did he stop, but he stooped. Stopping wasn't enough. He actually stooped down to get on her level. I'm so thankful for our God that this didn't stop for us, but he actually came down to our level. The Bible says, while we were still dead in our sin and our shame, Jesus came to die for us. He came down to our level. There's something about getting down in skinny jeans. This is going to happen. All right, there we go. Down to someone's level. 
I love our kids workers and I love our Nova team. If you go out there, I see the pictures every Sunday. We take amazing pictures. and If you watch them, they don't look down at kids. They get down on their level. You ever see someone great with kids? They, they don't want to be intimidating. Their goal isn't to intimidate because every kid, everything is taller. A lot like my wife. Everything is always bigger than you. And right away, you see our kids workers and people get down on one knee. And they usually they raise their voice like, hey, how are you? You want a fishy cracker? I want fishy crackers. Come on. And they get on their level. Listen, there's something about stooping down saying, I'm not here to intimidate you. I'm here to connect with you. We serve a God today that not only stopped, but he stooped. It says he got down eye level in the middle of this crowd with rocks, ready to end her life. He got down at eye level. And I'm sure he looked at her and like, I got you. I got you right now. Don't worry. I got you. And some of you today, you're in a low moment. You're like, man, don't keep talking about stuff because you're hitting, you're hitting right where I'm living. Do not bring that up because it's awkward enough. I know the mess I'm in. I want to let you know today, Jesus didn't only stop for you to bring attention to you. He stooped to your level to connect with you, letting you know he has you. If we're going to serve like Jesus, it's one thing to stop, but we've got to stoop. We've got to get down in the mud and the dirt and in the pain and go, listen, I only see you, but I am with you to get you through this. We serve a, watch this, it's going to be a miracle right now. 42. That's what you clap for? All right. I'm going to need a nap. All right. Jesus stooped. Can I encourage you today? We serve a, a, a stooping Jesus. We serve someone that gets down. Every other religion, please don't miss this. Every other religion is trying to get man to heaven. If you give enough, if you serve enough, if you, if you behave enough, if you do these rituals, if you can go to this place, if you do enough, you can get to heaven. Christianity, our faith is the only faith this is, no, no, our God came to us. We serve a stooping God that comes down to our level in the middle of where we are. As a church, let it be said of us, we don't stand here and just stop for people and point the finger. We get down on their level and go, no, no, we got you today. We got you. I'm so thankful for our stooping Jesus. Some of you are thinking, no, if I can just clean myself up, if I can just stop that, that addiction, if I can just stop that language, if I can just clean myself up, then I can come to church. And people don't come to church because they're afraid they're not going to fit in. Listen, if you're in your sin and your shame and your mud, you belong. But some of you that Jesus stopped for and he stooped for, we got to remember to stoop for people. So thankful for a God that came down to our level. How we walk with the broken speaks louder than how we sit with the great. The kingdom of God is opposite. The kingdom of the world says, you get yours. You, you kick, bite, and scream, and fight, and whatever you got to do to get to the top, you just, you just survivor. You outlast. You outwit. You outlie. The kingdom of God is the opposite. It says, greatness comes by being the least, and we will serve our way to the top. Can I encourage you today? We are a different church. We are servants. If he mentions the dream team one more time, you know why I brag on the dream team? Because they are servants. We have people that have never even sat in this service, and we're so thankful you're here. But they're like, no, no, I'm going to serve and make a moment for someone else. And right now they're stopping, and they're stooping, and they're connecting with our kids. Why? Because they're servants. What would be happening if our church, if our city, if, as, as faith, we would stop and serve people? Oh, we see a revolution of serving. Number three, in verse 10 it says this. Then Jesus stood up again and said to this woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? A servant leader, which I believe is the exact same thing. If you're a leader, you're going to serve. Jesus, as a servant leader, he stopped, he stooped, but then he stood. Can I encourage you? If we're going to serve like Jesus, we have to take people up to another level. 
Jesus loves us enough to stop and to stoop to our level, but he refuses to leave us there. He says, Jesus stood her up. Oh, God met me in my shame. He loves me so much. He met me where I was, but he met, loves me too much to leave me there. And he stood her up. Let us be a church that we stop, we stoop, but we always leave people higher and better than when we found them. Your perspective changes when you stand, doesn't it? It changed at another level. Sometimes I love flying because you get above the clouds and all of a sudden that problem and that pressure and that doesn't seem so big from 40,000, 30,000 feet. What would happen if we would get people to another level and stand them up? Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand because Christ made us free. Listen, when you meet the living Jesus, the one that serves us, he makes you free. And when you're free, you stand. And some people are so bound down by their chains of regret and pain and shame. Listen, when you meet Jesus, he will always help you stand. That's why the Bible says stand. When all you can do is stand, stand in our faith. Jesus loves you enough to meet you where you are, but he refuses to leave us there. You can spot someone who's been around Jesus because their life changes, not because of rules, because you cannot encounter the living Jesus without your life changing. I'm not where I was, and thank God, I'm not yet where I'm going. I'm on a journey. Listen, God is standing me up. He's seating me in heavenly places. He wants to bring us higher today. So many friends will stop and stoop, but they won't bring you any higher. I work a lot with young adults, and you see it sometimes, and that one girl, their relationship status goes from goes from a, it's a, it goes from in a relationship, single to in a relationship, then it's in a situationship, and then it's complicated. And they break up on, online, people start texting, did you see the relationship status change? Girl, what's up? I'm like, ha, 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 he, 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 and they start crying. And girls, whenever girls, girls cry, they want to gather together. I don't know what that is. They go to the bathroom together, and they cry together. Have you noticed this? Guys want to walk away by themselves. No, it's just dust in my eye. And guys go off by themselves, like to die in the wilderness. But girls, they want to have a party whenever they're sad. Some of you are like, no, yeah, it's true. Like, did you hear? Come over to my house. Girl, we're coming. We're coming to your house. We're bringing the notebook and Titanic, and we're bringing ice cream. And they'll have a little party, pity party for four, and they'll just get together, and they'll just start talking and venting and crying and watching movies and longing for relationships and, 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 and Titanic. And, oh, I wish I had someone that would let me be on a piece of driftwood and let me live. And they start talking and going and... And so many times they start crying, going, yeah, I'm going to be single forever. And they're like, me too. Because misery loves a party. I'm just going to give up on love. Us too. I'm just going to eat ice cream and get fat. Yes, you are. And they, they will stop for you. They will stoop with you. But sometimes people won't stand you up. Can I encourage you? There's something about being filled with God's presence that you will stop for people. But we always bring them higher. Go listen, I'll stop for you, but I'm not going to sit in pity. I'm not going to enable you. I'm going to actually let you know that God has a plan for your life. And you may have walked in like this, but God has something more for you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, listen, he can fill your life and take you to another level. You, Yes, you can live in your marriage. Yes, you can raise those kids. Yes, you can be an influence, and God will bring you to a higher level. Because everything about faith is forward, and God has more for you, and the best is yet to come. Oh, so many people will stop and stoop, but they won't stand higher 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation, a nova creation, the old has gone and the new is here. Listen, you're new today, and God wants to make you new. He wants to raise you higher, and encounter with Jesus always lifts you up, always brings you higher. You may not be where you need to be, but come on, you're not where you were. God's bringing you higher. If God's touched your life, he brings you to another level. 
I look back, God has been faithful in helping me go from level to level to level. I'm not where I need to be, but I'm not where I was. God always lifts us higher. Verse 11, I'm almost done today. Verse 11. He said in verse 10, where are your accusers? He stood her up. She says, they're not here. Verse 11. She said, no, Lord. She said, and he said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Listen, we have a God that stops. And as a church, we're going to be a church that stops for people. I believe as servants, as leaders, we need to stoop to their level. Not judging from up high, but down in the dirt with them going, oh, we got you. We see you. But we will stand them up. But there is a fourth level if you're going to serve like Jesus. Is Jesus met people where they were, stood them up, and then he sends them. Jesus sends. I think as a church in North America, this is the biggest thing we miss about the servant that was Jesus Christ. So many times we get caught in this cycle. Some of you have even met the stopping Jesus in this room. Since we've started, we've had over 30 salvations. And people say, I want to give my life to faith. I want to give my life to Jesus. And people meet the stopping Jesus in this room. And you even felt him stoop and get down to your level. And this is not a place of judgment, but of rescue. And God starts to get you, some of you, to another level. Go, man, I just feel like I'm going to another level. In my Bible reading, in my faith, in my purity. I just feel like in my relationship. But listen, we get caught in this cycle of being addicted to the stopping, stooping, standing Jesus. And we never embrace the sending Jesus. We get in this vicious cycle of, oh, I messed up again. I need Jesus to stop for me. Jesus, thank you for stopping. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for seeing me. Oh, thank you for raising me up. And we go in a cycle of going back to stopping, stooping, standing, stopping, stooping, standing. There's a story in the Bible, I don't have time to go into, a guy named Samson who had leadership all over his life to be a hero. But somewhere he made the choice to give up his purity, and then he lost his vision. He lost his purity, then they gouged out his eyes, he became a blind man. Your vision is tied to your purity. Something like, I don't get a vision for my life, a vision for my city, a vision for my family. And all pureness is, is obeying God. I believe if we start to obey God, our vision will come back for our city, for your families, and for our church. They said they took his eyes out, and this man that was once known for being a hero and a gladiator and a fighter, all he could do was they attached him to this mill that usually animals were tied to, to grind wheat in a circle. And they tied him, and he pushed this beam all day long, grinding wheat. If that's not a picture sometimes of Christian church, is we're in this cycle going, back to church again, back to Monday again, oh, messed up again, oops, I did it again, to quote the poet Spears. I did it again. And we just keep going in circles and circles and circles. And you wonder why you're bored. You wonder why you're in a struggle thinking, I'm just giving up on this faith, giving up on this church because I meet the stopping Jesus. But before you know it, I'm in a mess again. What would happen if we embraced the sending Jesus? My friends, this is bigger than us. Who do you relate to in the story? When I first heard this as a teenager, I related to the, the Pharisees, the judgmental people, realizing, oh, I judge people. Shame. I see their sin. And I went, did you see what they did? Did you, did you hear what they said? Did you know what they are into? And then as I got into my 20s, I embraced actually the woman in the story. And I saw myself for what God did for me. And God met me and stopped and stooped. And I saw myself not as someone judging, but someone needing help. And God, I became the, the woman in the story, understanding my brokenness and my pain. But there's more to the story. He sends, stands her up and says, go. And sit no more. What he was saying is go find people like you and stop for them. Stoop for them. Stand them up and send them off. My friends, we didn't build this church just for a stopping, stooping, standing Jesus. We built it 
So people would be sent off to be the Jesus people need. Oh, he's ascending Jesus. Christianity, we were talking this, this last month about it. This should be a place of such adventure, of being sent out into your workplace, your family, that our teenagers shouldn't rebel from faith. In fact, if they walk away from Christian faith and our family as we do faith, they should be saying, I'm choosing a life of dullness and boring. I'm choosing a life that's unfulfilling and empty and just something that is horrible. Because the adventure that we have in faith is so intoxicating, so invigorating, so full of adventure that our young people can't wait to get to church. I don't know if you noticed, we have a lot of teenagers in this church for a church plant, for a new church. They are not bored. They rep the Nova merch to school. They, 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 they make our church cool. My son came with me this morning early to the storage bin to start loading the truck. I'm like, he's a lot of things, but he's not bored. Can I encourage you, if your faith is boring, maybe you haven't embraced the servant Jesus that sends people. Because God is sending you into your workplace Oh, such a picture of stopping and stooping. Sometimes I don't want to come to church and let alone bring someone with me. But when you bring someone, let alone, I value you, I stop, I'm going to stand you up. But listen, come on, come with me. I'm, I'm on a mission today. i got to get you to a place where you understand who this Jesus is. What would happen if we started to go on mission during our week? It would change what we eat, what we drink, how we sleep, what we talk about. The sending Jesus. That's the God we send. That's the God we serve. going from the mud to the mission, making a message out of our mess. As I close, there's a story of a guy I tell often, a friend of mine named Tom. I love Tom. I met Tom at church, and when I first met Tom, I remember thinking, this guy could kill me. You ever meet one of those people? He's, just, he's the opposite of this, just tough. Looks like you could rip off your head and spit down your neck, that kind of guy, Tom. Looks like Sylvester Stallone after the fight. Come on, somebody. I met Tom, he's in his 50s, and he wore a suit every Sunday, talked real rough, real tough. And I said, Tom, tell me your story about your life. What's your story? When he first showed up, a couple of the police officers in our church, they, they searched his name up. They're like, dude, do not let him near the kids. Do not let him near the youth. Do not let him near the finances. Don't let him. In fact, we should just block him out, lock him out, send him somewhere else. That's a bad dude right there. He's got more charges than, than Mrs. Trump's credit card. <clears throat> That was awesome. Anyway, <laughs> but Tom met the stopping Jesus and the stooping Jesus, and he, his life was changed. And he wore a suit every Sunday. I'm like, Tom, why do you wear a suit? He's like, because I feel, I want to feel on the outside like I feel on the inside, new. So Tom, tell me your story. How did you, your life? He goes, I spent most of 40 years in prison. I'm like, really? I said, how did it start? He said, well, at 12, I, was, I used to steal cars in Halifax. At 12. At 12, I was doing light bright and building forts. We used to go outside when we were kids, teenagers, and uh, we used to build things called forts. And uh, we had lawn darts. It's a wonder we're alive. And uh, wood burning kits. I had a wood burning kit in my basement. My God, 5,000 degrees. Take it to the basement. Enjoy, you know? <clears throat> wow. He was stealing cars. I said, How'd you get caught? He goes, We used to break into dealerships, take keys, drive a car until it ran out of gas because dad was never home. We had to do something. When I ran out of gas, we go back and take another car all night long in the south end of Halifax. One day, I went down a, a, a one-way street down a dead end, and the cops caught me, put me in prison, in, in Shelburne Juvenile Prison. 
He said, Mike, in that first month, I was so violated, so hurt, so abused, in prison. I, something snapped inside of me and said, I'll never be in that kind of pain again, and I'll never be weak again. I determined to be the toughest man in any room I walked into. And that's what he became. Well, the next 40 years, he kept doing time, get out of prison, go back into prison. He was running gangs, and they called him the Don Juan of prison, because he of the drug trade, because he would do all the drugs and ran the drugs through all the prison. He'd get out for a while, go back in. I'm like, Tom, what was the worst day of your life? He goes, well, I got a couple. He's like, one was when I was in my 50s, this young man walked across the courtyard of the prison, looked right in my eye, walked up to me, and said, hey, Dad. And at one point, both my sons were in prison with me. I had, I, 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 I had fathered kids when I was on parole, and now they were in prison following in their old man's footsteps. He said, that was a bad day. In prison, you watch your back. Now I had to watch my back and theirs. I said, Tom, how'd you come to faith? He said, I was out on parole. It was Christmas time, near Christmas time in the fall. And I went to this thing called Celebrate Recovery at church where people that have pain and addictions and just need some help, someone to stop and stoop with them. He said, I sat in that circle to be honest. I thought, I'm not like these people. These are people who are weak. I could hustle them. I could get something from them. I could steal from them. And it wasn't for me. The next week, I reoffended, got thrown back in prison. He said, it was Christmas time, he said, and I was done with my life. He's like, man, he's like, old tomboy, you haven't lived much of a life. You're in too much pain, too far gone. Let's end it. And he determined to end his life. He was in solitary confinement, away from the prison mates because of his drug trade. And he's like, I took my bed sheets and I formed a noose. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to end my life right now. He said, I took the bed sheets, put them over the ceiling got on the edge of my bed, put it around my neck. He said, in just a moment, I thought, it'll all be over. No one's gonna miss me. The pain will be gone. And the world's a better place without Tom. He said, at that moment, an envelope came underneath the door of my cell. He said, I jumped down thinking, this is how we did drugs in, in prison. We, we'd mail it to each other and slip under the doors and we'd pay off the guards and other things. And he said, I opened up, thought I'll get high one more time and then I'll finish my life. And as I opened the envelope, it wasn't drugs. It was a Christmas card from someone from the church. Celebrate recovery. Tom, we know you're back in prison. Merry Christmas. Just let you know, we miss you. And when you get out, we're waiting for you. And in that moment, he said, he bowed his knee and said, if someone misses me, if someone loves me like that, I'm going to give you another try. He said, I gave my life to Christ right there in my cell. God got a hold of Tom's life, and now Tom is still the biggest drug dealer, sorry, the biggest dealer in Halifax. He doesn't deal drugs anymore. No high like the most high. He deals Jesus. At one point, Tom had a van for a delivery job, and he'd pull up on Godgen Street and see people from his old life. He'd slide open the door and say, get in the van! And they'd jump in the van, scared to life because of Tom. Where are we going? He goes, I'm taking you to church. And Tom would kidnap people and bring them to church. You can't make this up, Lyman, it's the truth. You just sit next to him. You, sit, you see Tom, he's sitting on the end of the row and like four people next to him so they couldn't get out past him. And they were terrified, like rabbits in a snare. Good morning. Hi. Hi, how are you? Say good morning to the pastor. Good morning, pastor. They were in fear. And Tom started bringing people on mission, understanding that what God did for him, he can do for others. Can I encourage you as a church? Make no mistake, we're not letting off the throttle. We are ascending church. We have plans. We have plans. You're going to hear about our plans, but it's more than what we do as a church in here, but what we do out there. 
In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance. Some of you have never met the stopping Jesus. I'm going to pray for you in a moment. But for most of you in this room that have met the stopping Jesus, can I encourage you, can you embrace the sending Jesus? When you come here next Sunday, don't come alone. Bring somebody. This is a safe place to bring people because all we're going to talk about is Jesus and how bad we are, but how good he is. But on mission this week, would you serve somebody? Serve your boss, serve your spouse, serve your kids. Understanding if you stop and stoop and help them get to another, people need a hand. My God, everyone needs a new start and a helping hand. 20 bucks, a lunchtime to hang out with. Add them on Facebook, bring them to church, put gas in their tank. I don't know what it looks like, but when you stop for somebody, would you embrace that sending Jesus today? If you're bored with your faith, can I dare say it's because you're not activated in your faith. If you're bored in your walk, could it be you've not embraced the sending Jesus? We're a lot of things, aren't we, Nance? But we ain't bored. A little tired. Sometimes a little frustrated. We laugh a lot. I cry a lot. But we're not bored. Because we've embraced the sending Jesus. This has started because people said, we embrace the sending Jesus. As I close today, if you say, Mike, I don't know this Jesus, or I've walked away from this Jesus. I, I, know, I, I know about Jesus, but I don't, I, I've never given my life to trust him and let him send me. When you start a life of faith, what you're saying is, Jesus, you're in control. As Carrie Underwood sings, Jesus, take the wheel of my life, and you lead, I'll follow. Because we're servants, following the will of God. If you're like, Mike, I want that kind of faith. I want to know that kind of Jesus. And you've never prayed that prayer. If you can just bow your head, everyone in this room, just for a moment. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. That's it. I'm not going to get you to stand up. I'm not going to get you to do anything else. In a moment, I'm going to say, hey, raise your hand, and I want to pray for you. I believe today, no matter what your pain is, some of you feel like you're the woman in the story going, I'm in a mess. Some of you, maybe life is good on the outside, but on the inside, you know that you're in despair or pain. You know that on the inside, life's a mess. I want to encourage you that God that made you is the God that's stopping right now for you. He's stooping down to look you right in the eye, right into your soul, saying, let me help you. Let me stand you up. If you don't know that Jesus and you want to, on the count of three, I want you to slide your hand up so I can see and then put it right back down. That's it. You ready? Today starts a journey of faith. One, it's not everybody, but it's somebody in this room. Two, three, if that's you, can you raise your hand real high? If that's you, all over this place, I want to look. Put it right, you put that hand right back down. Put the hand right back down. Someone else. You have never prayed this prayer. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Can we repeat after me? Can we pray this prayer for those three to four people that just put their hand up? We celebrate today, but can we pray together as a family? People that are meeting the stopping Jesus, come on, repeat this after me, all together as loud as you can. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for stopping for me. Thank you for seeing me. And today I choose you. Would you help stand me up? Would you help forgive me for my sins? Would you help get me out of my mess? I choose you. I give you my life. I give you my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give a round of applause for those people today. <laughs> Embrace the sending Jesus. Thank you for embracing the stopping Jesus. When you walked in today, you got this card. If you prayed that prayer with me, just take a moment and click that box saying, I'm committing my life to Christ. We just want to send you an email. That's all we're going to do is just welcome you to this journey. That's all we're going to do. But if you fill that out and drop it in the offering bucket in a moment that's coming by, we want to celebrate with you. As the offering comes forward, as the ushers come forward, we're getting ready to sing our last song as we dismiss today.
I want to challenge you today in the sending Jesus. Part of the sending Jesus is partnering with God. God is looking for partners. If you're a guest today, we would ask you not to give in the offering. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. But some of you have been coming week after week. I want to encourage you. The Bible says wherever your heart and treasure is, they're linked. Heart and treasure is always together. When we give, what we're saying is we're not paying for services. We're saying we're passionate about your call, God. And part of sending is investing. And some of you maybe can't go around the world or across the street every day, but your money can. Even this week, we were helping a family in this church with some, with some need that they have. When you partner with us financially, you can do it in many ways. You can text that number that's easiest. There's a debit terminal in the lobby, or you can put in the bucket. But today, if you partner with us, say, hey, my treasure and my heart are tied. As I put my treasure in, that's my heart today. And join with us, amen. Let's pray as we sing this last song and we pass the offering. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for those even today that are stepping out and saying, I'm going to activate even in giving today. God, it's more about, more about than cost for renting a room or sound gear or stuff that that's there. It's bigger than that. God, we say, Father, we are committed to the sending Jesus. God, use my finances, use my talents, use my life, use everything I have to help bring people to a stopping, stooping, standing Jesus. Father, bless each giver. In Jesus' name, amen.